Marsha. Hello. What's happening? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. How are you holding up with everything going on? You know what? Pretty good. I'm enjoying yeah. quality time with the family and trying to remain optimistic like everyone else. It's kind of yeah. weighing this out with the world. But as far as how I am, we're keeping family time uh, the priority. So That's amazing. I really want to thank you for making the time for this interview. You know, you're one of our favorite artists. You always release good music. I will say, I'll go on record saying you, you might have had the best decade this past decade of any artist. The three right. albums you put out were all... That's a lot said. <laughs> we, yeah, I, I listen to so much music, you know, for the site. And the three albums you put out are probably some of the best work I heard out of anyone by far. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about it, but it's always okay. exciting to speak to you and I appreciate the time. You too, you too. Glad to connect like this. This is dope. Dope, dope. So I want to touch on a little bit of your history first, if you don't mind. So you know, I love to hear the history. Something we do with the site is kind of share the stories and do some of the backstory. Um, I don't think I've ever quite heard how you ended up in Philly, you know, coming over from England. And, <laughs> and um, I think you were in Atlanta first for a time. Yes. Uh, simply put, it was by ways of free trips. Okay. We offered, uh, tickets. We we got flewed out basically. Um, wow. A mutual friend of uh, the flow system, myself. Uh, someone was living in in Atlanta, and that's how we got the the first trip to come to Atlanta mm -hmm. and do a lot of the open mic and spoken word um, movement that was happening there in the year two thousand. So we flew out April nineteenth of two thousand. And a friend of mine, Robert Sargent, was playing basketball in Camden, New Jersey. And he had a demo tape of mine, one of a live performance that Flowetry did. It wasn't even a Flowetry thing. It was Nat and Marsh. This is before we'd even coined yeah. a name for our group and had a live performance there and a couple of my demos and he played it. Uh, I think we we lost Marsha. Um, hopefully, okay, she's back. Let's add her back in here. Wait, what happened? Did your phone die? Wait. It it said you dropped out. I don't, I don't know. No, that wasn't me. I'm not <laughs> to do this. Anyway, continuing on. So. He had this demo tape, give it, gives it to a promoter in Philadelphia. And basically, that's how we get flown to Philly to then do that open ground, open mic and uh, spoken word, very underground movement at the time. But Philadelphia's version of underground at that time in the year 2000 was meeting the producers from A Touch of Jazz, James mm -hmm. Poyser, who I'd already met through uh, a writing session that I did in London, late 90s. So it's kind of like I had an affiliation, no pun, with Philadelphia prior to even getting there. So that's awesome. that free trip kind of solidified the relationships that we'd then build with the producers that we worked with, the musicians that we tour with for years to come. And um, yeah, the rest is kind of, History. So shout outs to people that buy tickets for other people and 
<laughs> you know, literally just took a chance and said, you know what, mom, I'm not coming home. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you mentioned a touch of jazz. I love hearing about that era of Philly soul music coming. So much good music came out there. Yes. So many good artists. What do you remember most about being in a part of that scene? Ooh, um, to get to a touch of jazz when I did was to witness um, the shapings of what was then Jill Scott's first album, Music Soul Child's first album, Bilal, getting to meet Glenn Lewis. And even though he was Canadian, I'm meeting Glenn Lewis um, knowing that his song, Boucher Loving, which was huge in the yeah. underground scene in London. And I was like, you're the Glenn Lewis. <laughs> like, and I sang the whole song to him. He was like, how do you even know this? You're from London. Listen, you're bigger than you understand. So getting to work with the world outside my window and do backgrounds for Jill at one point and, and see all of these things happen. I landed on a wave that these producers, their leftovers happen mm. to be flowetic because that magic oh. is still happening. If you've just then created not only Long Walk or The Way or Just Friends or, you know, Lizel and E Flat, you're supposed to carry that with you. So we walk in from London like, well, hey, we're flowetry. What have you got to <laughs> And then we have flowetic. So ultimately, you're in a wave with what were, at the time, 20-year-olds with no Twitter, no Facebook, no mm. social media to tell what was supposed to be correct or right or anything like that. It was just, we wanted to be good. Yeah. Not only good, we wanted to be great. And then from that comes, well, Andre, actually, I have this song called Butterflies. You want to hear it? Here it goes. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's dope. Let me put these drums to it. I said, let me do the bridge. Plays it. And there's Michael Jackson calling a couple of weeks later saying, I want that one. So wow. It's like a snowball effect full of what was ultimately supposed to be. Right. You know, um, I commend the guys at A Touch of Jazz, not only for the musicians that they are, the producers that they are, even still um, putting 100% into whatever it was going to be. And we, mm -hmm. we didn't know what it was going to be. Years later, we're allowed to call those things classics. Yeah. So I'm allowed to say that Say Yes is a classic. That, yeah. You know, Jill Scott's first album, classic. We're allowed 20 years later to still be able to look back on what it is that we did that solidified what we'd be able to do in right. the future. Amazing, amazing history right there. You know, I don't think you ever get the credit you deserve as a songwriter. You know, you have one of the best pens that's come into the game in, you know, in the past few decades. Like, I don't even, you know, where did you develop that? Uh... My um, my longing for my rap in a rapper. Really? Um, my lyricism stems from doing that, rapping back in the, back in the day. Mm -hmm. It was, I wanted to be a rapper. And it's all about narrative. It's all about painting this picture. I just happened to find a melodic way to deliver that. And the honesty within the pen and being able to paint that picture never changed. So the mm -hmm. songwriting was always vivid. Um, one of which I think there's too many. There's too many songs that I've written where I can go, I can see that, even though it never happened to me. Getting late, when Vidal played those keys, 
I was like, this is someone that has three kids for four baby daddies and she's in love with the second one and doesn't know what to do every time he knocks at the door midnight. You know, at that time yeah. it wasn't sliding in your DMs, it's I'm showing up. And <laughs> I just remembered embodying this person that I'd never met, but understood that emotion at 22, 23 years old at the time. And it was, look, it's getting late. Why have you got to be here? Yeah. Ride me, watching, needing, wanting me. I'm yeah. afraid. It's like I'm saying these statements over and over again. It's almost like your hooks are the mon like the monotonous portion of your song. If you say something repeat repetitively, you're like, okay, that's the hook. I feel right. like throughout my songs, I say too much for you to define which one it is. So I right. just give you the title and let you deal with it. The breakup song. I never really sing the breakup song, like mm -hmm. whatever that is, but the entire song is the breakup song. Yeah. You broke up. And then I give you the story. So I feel like my pen is just developed from a rapper's perspective and honesty. That's amazing. Thanks. You know, speaking of rappers, you've got the respect of so many rappers. I mean, everyone from Dr. Dre to Nas to Common to you know, Busta Rhymes have had you on their song and not many R&B artists or singers can, ha can say something like that. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, you know, how do you get such respect from, you know, from rappers where they want to collaborate you with you so closely? Because like Dr. Dre doesn't work with anyone, but he, you know, he takes you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, I'm, well, we just did something. It's, it's crazy. Um, Dre has been a fan of mine since he came to a Flowetry show in the year 2005. Um, prior to that, he'd been put onto me by ways of, I believe it was focus, but I got on the game start from scratch um, yes. because they were very much aware of what I was doing musically through Flowetry or other features that I'd done that predate that. So I guess it's, it all stems from being good. Mm. Like, I want that. And then I became a, a separate thing from not just Flowetry in, within the group or Marsha Ambrosius, the solo artist. I'm also Marsha the feature, which is a whole other Marsha. I get to be three artists. It's yeah. weird. But I think the respect level comes from my affiliation and my admiration for hip-hop. And because I've allowed my pen and what I do to happen through that, I think rappers just get me. Yeah. And I'm just allowed to do what it is that I do and um, be a prominent part of that. And uh, I like it. <laughs> it's a pretty special thing. <laughs> Can you reflect back on your, on your solo um, debut album, Late Nights and Early Mornings, a very special project. Okay. Just what do you remember most about creating that project? Um, prior to signing and um, solidifying the deal with J Records, I'd already been working on what I thought was going to be my debut project. And it turns out it is late nights and early mornings, but the control, the creative control that I had as a black female in a very mainstream, forward, um, male-dominated field, if you're a female artist, you have to do something exceptional to be exceptional at that time, I believed. So I was like, look, the only way I'm gonna really stick to it is if I get to be myself. 
And the only way I get to do that is I can go in the studio, I can get on the piano, I can shape and form what I want this project to be. So late nights and early mornings, having executive produced it, produced and written most of it is what makes that my standout ultimate Marsha album. That is the Marsha Ambrosius album, for sure. Love it. Love that album. Definitely a classic. But I will say, I will say, (laughs) I've got to say, though, my favorite album of yours is Friends and Lovers, your second album. And before I hear your thoughts on that, let me just say, I really feel like, you know, that album was ahead of its time in a way where um, it really should have been bigger than it was. But, man, there's some songs on there that even the non-singles, just amazing songs that could have been singles. And that album, front to back, just is is an amazing project. What do you remember about making that one? Um... I remember meeting the interns mm-hmm. and um, Chicago kids, Toon Coast, um, and we just bonded. We bonded over um, basketball. We bonded over Chicago and my love affair for what has been the Chicago Bulls and me telling them stories about how I met Michael Jordan in 1985 and they're like, what? And it was we made music based off of friendship. Yeah. So when we get to the concept of it being friends and lovers, the songs started to happen by themselves. We walk in and it's so good and it's 69. And I'm like, yo, Kevin, who played the keys on, oh my God, I miss you. I'm like, listen to these chords. I was like, okay, I'm a, I play, but you really play. So just interpret what I'm saying. And then I sing the whole song down and I feel like, I absolutely agree that that album um, was done a disservice as far as what it was supposed to do industry-wise. Mm-hmm. But the fortunate thing for the type of artist that I am, it's available to you now. You can discover yes. it now. Music is relevant to you when it's relevant to you. You know, so it's like, I think someone tweeted the other day, I was today years old when I realized that Marsha Ambrosius was in Flowetry. <laughs> so I'm like... 2020 that was 20 years ago so yeah. I guess someone wouldn't know if you just stumbled upon hope she cheats or you stumbled upon someone doing a dance piece to 69 or jamie fox is freaking me all of these things being that same era and i feel like friends and lovers wear on my shoes spend all my time charlie wilson <laughs> love run there were too many things i feel like yes. i gave them too much and at that point, <laughs> was when J Records is no longer J Records, it moves into RCA, yeah. which doubles the roster, which then limits the time in this hamster wheel that you're running on as an artist going, when's it my turn? When's it my turn? When's it my turn? And millions of dollars are being spent on one hand, but because I'm Marsha with the relationships that I have, I don't need a million dollars. I can facilitate and deliver you what I consider absolute triple platinum, quadruple platinum, diamond whatever you call it and then not get the same love and care and attention because it doesn't necessarily need it but that's what this industry is so i had to learn (laughs) all those things the hard way we go you know what over time oh they're gonna get it there'll be a movie where (laughs) friends and lovers will be the score or late nights and early mornings music will get it's just due when it's time and i feel like being creative as i am once I'm done with it, it's done. 
Yeah. Fans like yourself and the people that I get and the love I receive from people like yourself have allowed me to not only tour, but tour for years. Yeah. From things that I've said or thought about 20 years ago. I could sing Say Yes Now and it still resonates. Mm. That's <laughs> amazing to me. If I ever wanted to do one thing within the industry, it was that. It's make your mark. Creates yeah. magic. And I didn't do it just that time. I did it several times. Right. I have a, you know, a playlist worthy of that. And friends and lovers, too many tunes, man. <laughs> There's too many. Like, I look at the titles and go, they were all on the same album. Cupid, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, it's, yeah. too, it's too much. I was like, I gave them too much. I remember, <laughs> where, I remember where I was as far as how it felt to be in the industry at that time. I was like, politics i hate it i'm done yeah I'm just gonna do the parts that i do go on tour and give it back to the fans because the rest of it i can't deal with that part no. i can't deal with how much money you won't spend on radio so they won't play that because it sounds nothing like the top 10 of the same monotonous song that we've heard again and again same features again and again but you do manage to have a standout i feel like with late nights and early mornings I got a fair shot at being a standout mm -hmm. because you heard Hope She Cheats first. And Hope She Cheats was a joke. <laughs> Hope She Cheats <laughs> I did on Ustream. This is like me and you having a conversation and I start freestyling yeah. and you're like, oh, that's funny. And I go in my studio and I record it, put it out tomorrow and it's a single. That's <laughs> what Hope She Cheats was. But then off of Hope She Cheats because of the notoriety I got around that, Far Away happened. Mm. So it's like, look at the range. You've got Hope She Cheats that was playing up against the top 10 at that time was like Rihanna, Drake, something crazy, Nikki, whatever it was. And then Far Away happens. And it's like, there's Marsha. But I don't know if that Marsha would have gotten a fair shot if industry Marsha didn't play that game to get Hope She Cheats to do what it did for that. Right. We all never know. <laughs> That's a great story. But I, I want to touch on something you said where, you know, people are still discovering it. You know, it's still out there for them to find. And the good thing about your music is every album you've made has been timeless. It hasn't been for the moment. So if someone finds it now, they can still appreciate it now because it still sounds great. And that's what we love about your music. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's, that's the goal. I want you to press play. The fact that I still, you know, everyone's like, what are you listening to now? Same things I've been listening to for 20, 30 years. Yeah. I'll pull out my Stevie collection, Mike, Prince, and it still resonates now because right. it's good. And right. what I always wanted to do is just do that. Just want it to right. be good and from my heart. And when someone hears it, they go, you know what, I can relate to that. And yeah. that's helping me or getting me through, you know, so. So, so. Before I mention the, the, and we talk about the Nyla album, I saw someone in the comments here uh, talk about your feature on the Justin Timberlake song, Crimea River, River the uncredited uh, feature you had on there. How did that even happen? Like, I heard you, I saw you mention that on Twitter. I didn't even know that. You know what's crazy? For years, and you have to understand that um, Timberlake's, Justin Timberlake's Justified album came out, what, 2002? Yeah, so I believe around there. Yeah. We would have recorded it maybe 2001, 2002, closer to the time of release. And at that point, I don't even think Floetic 
was out yet. I don't even think we've released the album, but the demo is circulating and Michael Jackson's Butterflies is now surfacing with this name attached to it and everyone's going, well, who's that? Because it was new. I'm amongst Teddy Wiley, Rodney Jerkins, Marsha Ambrosius and Andre Harris. And we're like, hi, it's us, we did it. You know, as the kids ultimately in, um, in the grand scheme of things. So with Timberland, um, inviting me to the studio, they already had written a majority of Crimea River and they wanted to get a choir on it. That's why Ty Tribbett and Greater Anointing end up as the choir on that song. Mm -hmm. And we walk into Larry Gold's A room and uh, Timberland is like, Marsh, go ahead, do your thing. So I'm like, okay. So we arrange the bridge. I do the pre-hook and lay Justin's vocals and then at the end, I just start ad-libbing. So the one that stuck out to Timberland was the crazy <laughs> And he keeps it. I remember Jimmy Douglas going, okay, safe. And then it's just repeated. He said, just, yeah, move that, move that, keep it again. And it ends the song as the finale. So at that time, Young Marsh doesn't realize what I'm doing is implementing an original piece within the already composed song. Ultimately, if that was done today, it may have been a feature or credited <laughs> very, very differently. Yeah. But for me, it was just doing background vocals and uh, use some of the sauce that gets you invited to the barbecue, maybe. <laughs> and years later, I'm getting the respect that is, oh, all these years, I thought it was Justin doing that. And I was like, well, to me, it's me because I know it's me. Yeah. And it does say in the credits that I'm on there. It's like yeah. well, one part that you've now said, oh, that's what made the song. No, the song was already a full snack. I just happened to have a cherry <laughs> on top that made it what it is. And right. absolutely um, classic and happy to have been a part of that. I mean, how did you even stay so grounded and humble? You were having, you know, you had the Michael Jackson placement. You were working with Justin Timberlake early in your career and writing for other artists. How did you remain so humble? Still new. It's still new. I still <laughs> get goosebumps and excited when anyone calls to go and create something new. I just love to create. I think as a musician, as an artist, to have this idea shaped out of, it's almost like being a magician. Mm. It's like coming out of thin air, but what I'm making for you is something that you've never heard, never seen before. Yeah. And that's the magic. Anybody who truly creates will never get tired of doing what that is. So I feel like even though that was very early on in my career, Michael Jackson having given me the best advice saying, you know, if this is, if this is the beginning, imagine where you're going to go. I'm like, you know what, Mike? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. It's, uh, it's wild to have been able to still be able to say that and have in been introduced to Prince early and Stevie mm. Wonder wait for me at the side of the stage as I'm getting off stage with Gerald Levert after the uh, Ebony Eyes tribute that we did for Smokey Robinson. My life is insane. Like the things I've done is like, was I there for that? Was I present? Did I, was I in it? Do I remember it? And I'll look back at stuff and go, I didn't know it. I'm glad I didn't. 
I was just being 22, 23, very, very ruthless in being adamant that I'm me, I'm here, this is what I do, and I can't pretend to be anything other than that, and have remained that way since. That's amazing. You know, so much respect for all you've accomplished. Um, I want to read comments as we go. <laughs> I'm getting we can... spell checks and waves, okay. <laughs> I want to mention the, the Nyla album now. Another really good album, Nyla. You know, came out a couple of years ago. Another one, I unfortunately doesn't don't feel like it got the attention it deserved. And I hate to blame labels and and, and this and that, but you know, living in that day and age, you have to understand late nights and early mornings happened before the wave of um, streams being its things. It was yeah. sales. So my news for, I'm looking at, it's crazy, I've got this Billboard Top 200 and it's number one R&B album and then the Billboard 200 is Adele, Marsha. And it never happened. Two British chicks <laughs> running the US charts um, at that point. And now it's, I don't care if you've streamed my song layer 10 million times doesn't equate to 10 million sales it's <laughs> absolutely nothing in regards to that because leaving away what was you know itunes or a tower records where you had to go and buy it's you've now replaced that with a subscription monthly mm. and you can get everything but if you just had to get just me one song or oh, that 99 cents a fair portion of that would have been just mine yeah that, diminished so now figuring out how to play that game within the industry it loses itself when everyone's just putting out what went viral this week well, let's take that one let's put yeah. 10 million on that and keep going and keep going you've got the same thing repetitively again and again with people that were just trying to shine that one time and you might get a glimmer of it but the ones that managed to really succeed are people like myself who've managed over the course of 20 years to put out content that I wanted to mm -hmm. and I've been able to tour and have that rapport with my fans because of it. You know, a stream won't get that for many. Stream, right. That doesn't equate to a sale nor follower. It's just a view. It's right. a like, it's a follow, it's a tweet. It's not a sale. It's not a ticket. It's not an experience. So I feel with Nyla coming out as recently as it did, and I even tried to um, take it old school and sell the CDs outside, you know, <laughs> myself in boxes, like, here you go. That's where the majority of my sales came. I'm selling mm. myself. I can't wow. do this online for you. So my tour, thus being more successful than technically what you would consider the album sales being, it's, you get the experience. You came to the show. Here's the CD from me to you personally, yeah. and then you can have that experience. So I gave it a different experience for the people that have been fans of mine regardless. And like I said, you can always discover albums when you do. And yeah. it's available to stream. And if you do, cool. And people had, so, and have, and will, and I can't worry about that part of yeah. it anymore or how unfair this industry is to what we consider real music to be. 
because right. there is a place for it. There's people that are still working off of one album. Yep. <laughs> still touring successfully. And, and, and fans selfishly said, don't want to hear anything else. Yeah, we love you, Marsh, but sing Say Yes, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get it, like we love you, but sing far away. If I yeah. go to a concert and don't do certain songs, I get it. I'll selfishly do things for me and I'll tell fans, look, I'm having a moment, I'm about to sing these next three songs for myself. Mm -hmm. I suppose behind the keys and do that and the rest I give. But that's what I chose. So Amazing. Full choices. I wanna take this question from one of your fans here, Brooklyn Pock asked. Are there any mixtapes you now think should have been an album? Yours truly, in my opinion, it could have been an album because it was incredible. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> All of them except for Neo Soul is Dead because I was drunk and I was in Atlanta <laughs> and I had no idea how big that was going to be when we put it out the next day. I was joking. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. So then there's this platinum ratchet Grey Goose Pear and Ginger Ale Marsha in the booth, probably high. Kids don't do this at home. I'm growing <laughs> up, I've done some things. And um, yeah, so but yours truly, myself and Focus, putting our foot down and saying, this is what we want to do. And Focus, Bernard Edwards Jr. has had my back since the day we met. And we'd worked together before we even met. And still to this day, is my go-to. So I feel like yours truly, definitely, it is, it is an album. People got it. <laughs> it we have that count. That's when you could actually count those and we, we went platinum in the streets, so. Nice, <laughs> nice. I just have one more question for you and that's how are you balancing things, you know, now being a mother, now being a wife and still, you know, having your career as, as an artist? How do you balance it all now? Um, fortunately, I've, been able to have those things close to me. So having met my husband on the road, we've remained on the road together. Mm -hmm. And then having our baby girl, she was birthed into tour life. So it was, I'm pregnant, give birth, go back on tour. <laughs> you know, it's no different. And um, I've been very, very fortunate in that regard. And um, look, I think that's her at the door right now. Just, oh. hey, hey. Hey, hey, what did I say? What did I say? So that's what motherhood is like. <laughs> me being an artist, me being mum, me being chef, me being the science teacher, English teacher, math teacher. She knows more than I do. Mm. And, um, the balance is just to love it. I've yeah. chosen the type of fame I've always wanted. Mommy. Yes. <laughs> What's your pictures? Okay, do you want to say hi really quick and then you can go back to your dad? Say hi. Hello. Hi, Nyla. You're going to go now. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Daddy! Thank you. <laughs> so sweet. That's it. That's it. That's life. That's yeah. why I did this. And the music that I've created over the course of a, two decades and a half, almost three is to love one day like this and have that love that I aspired to have. Butterflies written from a 16 year old's perspective, 15, 16 even. Yeah. And, um, to have it now is incredible. 
right. so during this quarantine time and creating new music um, under these circumstances is for that same feeling, that desperate attempt to love the way I want to love before I have to leave one day. Mm. Like we're all here to never be here anymore. And watching the news and the, oh, the hor horrible, horrific things that happen on this planet and yeah. you're trying to protect your own household. I create music that people press play on and can save themselves and others because of it. Wow. That's what I do predominantly and selfishly for myself while I give it away. Wow. <laughs> That's super deep. I love that, though. It's amazing. Before we get out of here, I've got to ask, though, as far as new music, everyone wants to know, are you working on anything? Can we expect anything soon? What can you tell us? Listen, I was working on what I thought was a quarantine EP. Mm -hmm. And I, I played it for um, my day ones. And they think it's the best album I've ever done. So I'm wow. like, oh, okay. That's a good, I can't do anything half ass ever. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, uh, let's call Dr. Dre and get a mix then. So oh. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> We'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks, but I have uh, recorded a new body of work that started out as one idea to give back to my roots. And that was coming from the UK and this admiration for all R&B music that was happening um, over here in the States and me wanting to, to be a part of that somehow and make my mark within that. But you have to understand coming from the UK and having had Soul to Soul and Omar yeah. and Don E and you know, there's, there's, there's too many to name. We had a movement. And I feel like the level of respect that black artists didn't get over there catapulted what UK artists were able to do thereafter, whether that was myself, whether it was Flo Tree, myself and, and others. It's respecting where our roots came from, the rare groove movement, garage, like there was such a soulful element that ended up in pop culture because of what we did. So making an album that feels like that was important to me. Right. So press and play, I can see Liverpool, I can see London, oh. I can see my family and friends. And I feel like this quarantine, the the type of longing and missing for people that you know you may never see again or can't see right now, the music that happens because of that is a whole different far away. It's a whole different chasing clouds. It's a different oh. say yes. <laughs> the, the level of so good of 69 because you can't is just, different so the the music is that much more heightened and passionate because of what's going on now right. and i'm very excited for you to hear it that's exciting because us as r&b lovers we need that that helps us so much in these times you know and man yeah. that sounds epic <laughs> yeah it's gonna be something wow and i will uh, honor and respect as always oh wow i didn't even notice that Jodeci. I love it. And I want to shout out Mocha Lux, who came to um, my show in Nashville, which was my last show 
um, before things got really crazy, March 11th, um, I did a double show at the City Winery in Nashville and gave back to the city that had just gone through an insane tornado. So donations and proceeds were given to them. And uh, she gave me a gift of this Jodeci t-shirt and <laughs> vinyl. She gave me my Emily King Switch album. And um, that's the day the NBA was canceled. Mm. And that's the day I knew it was gonna get tough. And I remember telling my musicians that day, I said, look, we get checks consistently. We're on this road consistently, but I do feel like this is gonna be our last for a while. So I want us to hold onto this moment, go out on that stage for this second show and give it your all. Like it will never be the same again after this. So we're gonna play <laughs> until we can't play anymore. And this is a, symbol of that and that love that fans have you know fans have given me from day one to now it's crazy how we've grown together yeah you know? that's amazing i love it marcia i'm gonna let you get back to your family time i want to thank you so much for taking some time out for this interview you know we love we love everything you do and you know and give us with music and always have our support thank you and i appreciate everything it is that you're doing um, I understand you do have a job to do, so you do have to play the optimistic role at times. Just understand the undertones of where any true artists are coming from. Bear with them. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I get it. As, as a fan, first, I was with everyone when we were upset about the Teddy Riley baby face versus... Yeah first attempt because I'm like remember the times yeah with Bill go <laughs> so yeah. in your head you're like as the fan outside of that it's R&B never dies right never dies it lives it's why we live it's the essence of everything and true artists that really do this really have to go through some real things to create it and right. It's imagine trying to play the role of the most insane thing you ever did. You have to get over that part of your life before yeah. you can move on to the next. So just be sensitive in that sense. Don't That's good advice. Go, well, what was that? That's where they are. Right. Respect it in a sense. You don't have to like it, but respect it. We're I all respect that. At the end of the day. But right now, in this time, whoever's chosen to do whatever they're chosen to do, that's exactly who they are. Because if this doesn't show who you are as a human being under these circumstances, I don't know what will. Right. So just allow to yourself to be kind, be gentle, and um, love one another. Definitely important to keep in mind. I'm glad you brought that up. All good. <laughs> Shout out to I love you and I, I miss that stage in the giant pole that everyone tries to look around because they can't see. Miss it. I've had some of my best shows there. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to SOBs, our friends of the York, Andre I, Harris. I haven't looked at most of the comments. Imani, I shared the stage with her um, for the Earth, Wind, and Fire song that we did for Black Girls Rock. Um, is that Lori? What am I saying? Okay, there's too many things. There's Indianapolis in here. 
There's a lot going on. <laughs> trying. Because, you know, this part is important. Absolutely. All these 100%. People, I'm looking at, at handlers that I recognize. Avery Wilson. That's I Avery Wilson. When I was introduced to him. SOBs, it's crazy. Because I remember coming on stage um, and having him sing there. Wow. Baby Double O Girl 24 is the first fan I told I was pregnant when I found out I was pregnant. Oh, <laughs> wow. She's from Dallas. And then years after that, she would end up opening for me as the DJ at my show for the Nyla tour. Wow. So that's another full circle. Kenny Burns, known for years. This is insane. Cons <laughs> Listen, Lyric over here showed up to my Atlanta show, surprised me. I just burnt the candle that she gave me. Uh, royalty, Red, Virginia. I was there for her when her mother passed away. I remember every time her mother couldn't make my show at the Norva, which was the show <laughs> in, for the Flowistry reunion 2015, where I met my husband and we had our first long walk mm. and we're together ever since. And every time I see Red, I remember that. So looking at all of these names, I'm looking at time here. Yeah. I'm looking at, <laughs> oh, that's 10 years. Oh, that's 15 years. That's, <laughs> that's 20 years. You know, that's important. There aren't enough Black R&B artists that are even able to still be, mm. still be sane <laughs> to a degree. Yeah. I'm absolutely nuts. I'm a Leo, okay. But <laughs> still be able to do this and have the people that have been there from the very beginning. Dre Bombay, matey, Andre Harris and yeah. I, there was a synergy between us from the year 2000, even to this day that no one could touch. 20 years, wow. 20 years makes me laugh, like doesn't have to do too much to make me laugh. But Andre <laughs> Harris and I, not only creating one classic, but several, it goes from, you're the guy that did the way and long walk. I want that. What are you doing? <laughs> then we say yes. Then we do, hey, you. Yeah. Then we do butterflies. Then we do your hands. And we keep going because that's true art. It's like music has its own soulmates, but not only through the producers, but the people that support what that is. Right. It's people who've had kids because of me. It's people <laughs> who've gotten married. It's people who've gotten divorced because of me. Yeah. I own all that. <laughs> because music makes you make decisions. But good music lasts forever. Yeah. It just does. It's classic. And I love everyone here. I wish we could keep talking. And I truly appreciate you. Dre, call me. Because I want to, like, give me, let's do another ballad. Like, or two. Let's do like two ballads and then change the world again, because why not? It's time. And Andre Harris, you owe us a DM back. We've been trying to interview you for a while. You keep popping into these interviews, man. You owe us one. <laughs> you have to ask for um, Oski Sladi for that. But okay. Brandon, um, <laughs> Brandon Payne from Philadelphia, one of the most phenomenal, not only people, but singer-songwriters that I've witnessed firsthand. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to get um, 
what he's about to do also. So Brandon Payne, anybody who doesn't know, just get into it, please. Get into it. I'll just say one last thing to you, Marsha. I don't know if you realize this, but I've done so many of these interviews over the past few weeks, and there's not been many artists who took the time to really acknowledge their fans like you've just done. Like, that's really special to me, and I think that's why people love you so much, That the fact that you love your fans truly, and it shows. And you have... It's, it's, it's overwhelming. Like, when I was pregnant with Nyla, I haven't wanted for too much because of my fans. <laughs> it was, we had this baby. Yeah, I had the baby, but... <laughs> I'm experiencing life with people that have been there for me. They've yeah. been there for sophisticatedly rache, friends and lovers, turn up, marsh, litty marsh, rapper mm. marsh. Now they've got... <laughs> wow, wife-to-be, now is a wife, now is a mother, Marsh. Yeah. But it's always been just me. I've been trying out this um, idea that if you're true to yourself, always, no one can really tell you anything. Because yeah. I've been watching the Michael Jordan last dance thing and contemplating, you know, what would he... Forget the whole LeBron, Michael Jordan. No, this is, might be off topic, but as far as what <laughs> social media has done to the art, how certain people that were in the early 2000s could never have handled the scrutiny that comes with what it is that you do as a job, ultimately, because you're there to deliver news, yeah. but you're also there to debate well, someone's saying this, what do right. you think? You know, so it's, it's, it's all of those things encapsulating and you have to kind of decide who it is that you always were from the very beginning. I've got people in here that are posting comments and going, that's the same Marsh. Yeah. Or I've got people that are post on other blogs. Oh, I hate her. She used to come to my store in Philly and think she was oh. all that. I was like, I don't know you from anywhere, but I'm glad that you had this idea of the story of who you thought I was. Yeah. Before, you know, coronavirus, I've always been, I don't like breathing outside. I don't like touching stuff. But if I have to go into a store, don't look me directly in the eye because <laughs> I'm literally going to buy this T-shirt, get out and get that. That's been me. Yeah. But someone's version of that is, oh, she's mean. Oh, she was laughing too much. I feel like she was laughing at me. Okay. Oh. So, but you've got to be, it's being that sensitive. So imagine craving the light and attention that you want so much that you're right. trying to explain yourself. And I remember I was like, why am I explaining to you why mm. I am or who I, I don't know you, bro. Like, I don't, but I'm a Leo. So I'm proud in my stance of trying to project who it is that I want to be or I want right. you to think I am. And that's just art, you know what I mean? So when you press play on music, you go in, that's really Marsha saying, I hope she cheats on you with a basketball player. Because <laughs> that's definitely something I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I would also say, so sad to see you go so soon. Yeah. And know that you're not coming back. And you still get the same belief from when I said as ratchet as that was to how endearing that was. Right. That's art. That's range. That's cry me a river to Buster Rhymes cocaine. That's two <laughs> different sides of yeah. the spectrum, but managing to still come up and still be marsh. Yeah. Like I said, just as a blog, just as a reporter, as a avid lover, 
your blog is called you know i got soul that is your essence yeah just understand who who you loved in the first place to want to honor that and nurturing what that is right you have a service to do that because you've chosen yep <laughs> i believe that so 100%. i'm just glad that you're you're one of them that have been doing it consistently and with a passion and supporting what it is that that i do for real and yep. uh, um till we meet again i don't know what this coronavirus is going to yep. do as far as me getting on tour anytime soon but to be able to do this like this, yeah. this is personal and this is exactly how I want my concerts to feel anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll figure this time out for sure. And Absolutely. Um, you'll get new music soon. We're looking forward to it. Thank you again right. so much, Mars. I really appreciate you. Take care. All right, Peace. Bro. <laughs> Bye.